better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. And I am JT. Hey guys, I'm Joey. And today we are discussing how to make workouts more effective. Plenty of people out there busting their chops, working hard, getting it in, but not necessarily getting the results they want. And today we are going to address the key things that you need to make sure you do to get the bang for your buck. Just briefly to give a bit of weight to this conversation, do you reckon we could tell people about how many times we've visited other gyms and we've looked at people training at the outdoor parks and just doing shit and you're like, man, if you just did a couple of things, like, well, yeah, all of, or even like, okay. Yes. All of this effort you're putting in would be like, Way more effective. Yeah, like you'd be getting so much more out of it. But instead, you're just grinding it away year after year and nothing's changing. Yes. And I think this is something we need to be aware of. And when I actually ask people, oh, you know, like speaking to that very quickly, um, I know we're going to dig into this. Do you write it down? Do you have a program? Like, do you know how you are improving? 90% of people do not have a journal or they have no way to kind of keep account of their progress. Or even a program, right? Like even a pathway. No. It's just, oh, I go and I just do some exercises. I kind of pick some off the top of my head. And look, that's not to detract from the fact that, you know, people are out there trying, right? I'm I'm out there at the park and I'm seeing But sometimes trying is just not enough. (laughs) Look, I'm I'm the first one to want to punch someone in the throat for doing some (laughs) kind of gym fuckery. But the thing is like credit to a human for making the effort to get out the park and do something. But for you, our people, we want you to get the most out of it. So I think what you're talking here, Joe, is 90% of people are without a plan. They are also not using effective exercises. And if they are picking exercises which are good, they're not executing them well. So let's talk about how people can change this so that they make the most out of their effort. All right. First cab off the rank. First one for me is to follow a program. Yes. So have a process that you're following. Now, the beauty of a program is that it gives you guidance. So what you're going to do over the next 60 minutes here in the gym, but it also gives you enough consistency, hopefully, if it's a half-decent program, that you can get some good results from this training process, right? Obviously, we're big fans of the Bulletproof program, but even if you're following something else, just follow it. Don't jump around between things and it's exactly the same as like going and asking your coach, hey, where am I going wrong? Like what's the best sweep for me to use from this guard that I love? And they say, oh, use this sweep. The next day you go and ask another coach, you're like, hey, what do you think I should do? And then they give you different information. And right, right? Like it's like, no, 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 you don't need more information. You just need one set of information and follow that. Stick to it. Stick to it. The second sort of part of that point is that consistency really is the thing, isn't it? Yes. So, you know, it's, it's nice to go in and do different things in the gym. And yes, there is an element of shocking the body, which we do want to change things up periodically, but that doesn't mean every day or every week. No. And look, a great saying that I heard many years ago, which was a poor program done well is better than a great program executed poorly. 100%. You know, you can, you can have like 
all the best exercises and the periodization and the everything, but if you're not if you're not actually sticking to it and you're not actually executing it the way it's been made, then what's the point of the blueprint? You're just freestyling, you're just throwing up a shack. <laughs> you know, but if you've got somebody who's maybe got a very unscientific program, but they really adhere to it and they're very consistent and they chip away, these people are more likely to get the result. So let's separate those two things. One, which is the plan. We've spoken about this before, Joe, because everybody gets very inspired like, oh, new workout challenge. Oh, new new workout. Yeah, workouts. Like Instagram and shit. That's yeah, like, yeah, classic thing. Like, oh, I'm going to try and do 100 push-ups. Yeah. Like just, that kind of shit. Just because. Like, yeah. don't worry about the fact that you've got bursitis in your shoulders. or <laughs> Nah, just push-ups. Bro. But it's like, once I'm there, I will be Jason Statham. <laughs> Like if I can do a hundred push-ups, <laughs> I'm you the got, rock. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. If you got that receding hairline, you too can be Jason. Right. No, you just got sore pecs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think there's a big difference. This is where we got to delineate between a workout because people go, "Oh yeah, but I'm just doing this workout. Why? Like what? How does that relate back to you and what you need? Right? That's where the idea of a program is most important because it's structured over time, and this is also the difference between. Testing and training. Training is moving you towards an end goal. Testing is just telling you wherever you're at that day. And I'm going to tell you right now, wherever you're at today is not where you're trying to be. It's not as mobile as you want to be. It's not as strong as you want to be. Therefore, there is a specific way to attain that. And that's where a program guides you. And that's what we need. It shouldn't just be based on, oh, how do I feel today? Because how you feel today might be like doing nothing. Yeah, you're not responsible to make that decision for yourself. No, <laughs> definitely not. And I think the next thing on this I wanted to say, before we even get to the workout piece, uh, people are not really warming up or prepping their bodies before they work out. They're just not. I would add this in that I see people, you know, doing the classic kind of Merv Hughes or like the just just tip the head, yeah, a bit of hip circles. They usually do that. Grab the foot. They usually do that. Either grab the foot, stretch behind yep. one. They usually do that one when they're like kind of scoping everyone else at the gym out. Sussing. Yeah, like a little bit like, oh, I don't know if I should be here. <laughs> fuck, you know that one? Yeah, like, just stretch it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the thing about this is like- uh, You should fucking be there. It's yeah. your gym. It's your place. Own it. Be there. Yeah, don't Don't go in meekly. Go in with an intention and a fucking goal for the day. Yeah, I'm, I'm here to get better. I'm here to get stronger. I'm, I'm, this is for me. You don't worry what other people are doing. And the truth is, having lived in gyms my whole life, people get very self-conscious. There's a lot of anxiety around the gym. They're like, oh, but people are looking at me. People are going to judge me. It's like, look, society judges people. You know, everyone judges everyone. But in truth, when you're in the gym, people just focus on themselves. You know, the, the people who are the most narcissistic or vain, they're not standing there looking at you like, oh, you're crap. They're looking in the mirror going, oh, I'm great. You know, so essentially, if you have anxiety around people looking at you, it's not going to happen at the gym. <laughs> people are looking at themselves, so don't, don't worry about that. And if you're not at the gym, if you're at home and you're trying to get the most out of workouts, because you're at home and it's not a formal place of training, that's fine. You still need a warm-up it's still important for you to prep your body because now more than ever, we're sitting down, we're doing less and our bodies are not ready. And I was actually just saying this to Dylan earlier earlier today in passing. Um, you know, he is warm. He does like almost like an hour's worth of activity before he's doing the Zoom class. And then 
you know, he's doing, you know. Teach, he's teaching the online classes. He's teaching right the now. online classes here at Jung Brothers. And I say, yeah, man, the first thing I do, I get up in the morning and drink my water, I do my mobility. You know, I might roll out my tight spots. Like I've done half an hour of prep before I leave the house, before I come and do anything. And this is something people are not in the habit of. And basically what this means is their first couple sets are shitty. And, <laughs> and that's a waste. Yeah. You've wasted possibly a third of what could be giving you benefit just adjusting to these movements where if you actually spent 10 to 15 minutes warming up properly, you're getting max benefit out of those lifts. You're getting the best recruitment. You're not just adjusting to what the thing is. That's what I'd say. Agreed. Um, now, the, the other thing I want to say about this, guys, is something I, I do myself when I'm warming up is not only just increasing my body temperature, so I'm not doing star jumps, I'm not running around, I'm doing my prep, I'm also getting my nervous system excited. So what I mean by that is if I'm doing deadlifts, I will do single leg deadlifts, light, and also kettlebell swings. Why? Because these are more demanding than the actual exercise. Even though I'm not lifting heavy, with the kettlebell swing, I'm, I'm being explosive and trying to get my nervous system fired up. And then by doing the single leg deadlift, I'm taxing my ankle and my hamstring and my back way more than a normal deadlift would. So when I come to do the normal you know, two-legged deadlift off the ground, it's easier in a way. It's, it's a simpler movement. It's a simpler movement, even though I'm going to load it up more. And that keeps me safe. In the same way when I'm going to squat heavy, I'm going to do some jumps, some squat jumps, and I'm also going to do some hopping. The hop and stabilize, I find the hop and stabilize is actually a huge win. It seems really simple, but if you do like 10 hop and stabilize on each leg, that does so much for your ankles and your knees and your hips. So when you do finally either rack the kettlebells or put the bar on your back, your body is very much ready to go. So that is a piece that I would add. Once you've warmed your body and you're prepared, get your nervous system G'd up from the feet up. Yeah, a bit of activation work. Yes. And I think if folks are like, oh, what can I do there? Like one of the things that stands out, the exercise choice that JT is using is really something that just demands a little bit more like brain power and a bit more coordination. And that is in effect what excites the nervous system because you've got to think about it. You've got to become very present and your body has to work hard to stabilize, right? Yes. So that's the beauty of it. Then you go to your exercise, which is a deadlift or a squat. It's more simple. So you don't have to use the brain power, but now you can start to load that sucker up. Yes, sir. Talking about like how people can make workouts more efficient. Something that, that I notice, and, and I even noticed this for myself, I'm happy to be talking about it today because it will bring me back to it, but that is using a timer yes. to time my workout and to time my rest periods. Yep. Now, depending on the day, I don't always have to time my workout. I, I train for 60 to 90 minutes. It's there in my schedule. It's good. I, I know that I can just manage that time and get what I need to do done. However, on the days where I'm more stretched for time, mm. and this is what we've been doing, particularly with the new Bulletproof standards, yes. is I will time uh, each superset, which is each block of work, usually two exercises, into a 15-minute window. Yes. So I'll set a timer for 15 minutes counting down, and then I know that I've got that 15 minute period to get whatever three to four to five sets, depending on the prescription of those two exercises. Now, the beauty of that is, is that I know that in 45 minutes I can get my workout done yep. or, or an hour if I want to add some mobility in there or some extra mobility. And I also know that for some exercises, I'm going to get a bit more rest. Some I'm going to get a bit less. Yep. The other approach, if you don't like blocking out time like that, is just to measure your rest periods. And for what majority of what we do, I would say, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, unless we're training like super heavy, where you want like those long sort of three to five minute rest periods, sure, uh, it's generally around ninety seconds, sixty seconds to one hundred and twenty seconds, like one to two minutes. Yeah, I w- yeah, I would say sixty to ninety seconds, definitely. And look, I would go so far as to say, if you have to rest anything more than ninety seconds, one, either you're possibly going too hard, or you're possibly being a little bit lazy, and that's practice. Don't get me wrong. I like a good long rest break, but really don't shy away from the discomfort, guys. I've been trying to say this to all my people on Zoom. You've shown up. You've warmed up. You're there. Brought your drink bottle. You've done everything you need to do. Now it's work time. So that 30 seconds, you're delaying the inevitable, really. Like if, if it means your next set isn't as comfortable, that's okay. Because this level of accountability, guys, is that your energy is only going to restore so much in the given time. And based off how conditioned you are, it'll restore better or it won't. But that doesn't mean that you should shy away from that work. So yeah, setting your rest break and keeping your rest break at a certain time, whether it's 60 seconds or 90 seconds, is key to doing the workout properly. Yeah, and just on that, I use I like to use this. Classic. I got a little gym boss timer. Gym boss, I love They're them. They're so good. You can get them online. We don't have any affiliation with them yet um <laughs> but they're but they're really good they look like a pager they got a little clip they go into your clothes Ooh, anyone remember that got that 90s vibe back in the day um but the beauty of them is is that they don't have apps they don't have text so messages so simple they don't have all the shit that you have on your phone and when you're looking at your phone and using the timer there and then you get a notification and, and it's and easy to Instagram get distracted and, ugh, exactly and i do it i do it myself so going back to something like this simplifies it and I just use the countdown timer feature. I just go, all right, 90 seconds. And then I finish my set and I click it and then it beeps and I'm like, start again. Yep. Real simple. Yeah, I think that's great. I think the timer is great. And also what you do between sets, uh, breathing is really important. So if you know that you've only got so much time and you need to bounce back really quickly, I mean, this might be something you can elaborate on, Joe, because I don't know much behind it relevant to like shaking or whatever. But uh, my old Russian coach, Efim, he would make me, walk around and like shake my he wouldn't let me stand still on my rest breaks wow he's like you got to keep moving he's like deep breaths he's like you got to get that oxygen in big nasal breaths like in through the nose out through the mouth and he would make me shake my arms and shake my legs anyway he didn't explain the science behind it but he's like basically you have to make sure you're keeping your blood circulating if he's like if you just squat down and uh, uh, and just stay in spot he's like actually your circulation gets worse and he's like, stay moving. You don't feel like it, but he's like, your next set will be better if you've got more oxygen in your blood. So he would always push me to do that. And truth is, it did take a little bit more effort to kind of wander around and move my body, but the next set did come out better. Makes so. sense. Yeah, I think there's a lot of benefits to lymphatic drainage as well with that, isn't there? The shaking? Yeah, your body just getting rid of the waste byproducts waste that are products. accumulating you know, um, from the training. And that's, you know, that if, you can, if you can get that stuff moving around, then it's going to lay to perform a bit better on your next set. Definitely. And I think it is also a good habit. I mean, think about relevant to jiu-jitsu. You know, if you're competing or even if you're just rolling hard, you never really have the opportunity to stop however long the round is five minutes 10 minutes whatever you got to keep going yes even when there's a little break so it just it sort of i think it helps to build a bit of discipline around that definitely and uh around that idea of timed windows guys i think it's really good because i have people all the time saying to me oh what can i do for fitness yeah we, we've talked about this many times guys but what i'd say is what will surprise you if you are used to taking longer rest breaks shorten them up like joe's talking about a 15 minute window and this is relevant to the new standards program 
But even if you were to take uh, the exercises that you're doing currently and you go, right, I've got 10 minutes, that means I've got two minutes per, say, superset. So as long as it takes you to get those two exercises done, the whatever you've got left within the two minutes is your rest time. If you take longer, you've got less rest. Yeah. If you go a bit harder, you might need more rest, but it is structured. You're going to get five sets and you're going to do it in 10 minutes. And that last set's going to be way tougher than the first. Yeah. And that is going to drive your freaking heart rate up, guys. So look, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of things that we can go into around conditioning. We're not doing that today. But if you want to make your workouts more bang for buck, shorten the time up and get it done. Yep. All right. Next things next, guys. I'm going to save ramping up. So a lot of people will go straight into, I see it all the time. People, they might do a few of those kind of, you know, ineffective uh, kind of shoulder stretches, whatever, not even stretch, just move their body. And then they're like, right, let's load up the bar. Let's just chuck the weight on. I usually do whatever, 100, chuck, chuck 100 on there, do 100. Talk about someone deadlifting or whatever. Yeah, or whatever it might be, whatever the structure is, people just don't allocate enough time to their workout and they don't factor in any kind of a ramp up. So I will always treat my first set as a gauge on the subsequent set. So if I know I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit different to you guys. If you, you only work with three to five sets, sometimes in my workouts, I have eight sets. There's less repetitions, but there's eight sets. My first three are ramp up. You know, they are building me up to the weight that I'm working with that day. And it's like a little check-in with myself. It's also a little G up, like get ready, come on body, next set, next set. Okay, now. And it's really important for me psychologically to prepare for a very heavy weight or just a really hard thing that I don't necessarily enjoy, whatever it might be. Like maybe it's a certain uh, mobility drill or something which really kills me. I have to really zone my mind in and building into it and having that ramp up is an important part, not just going straight to the heaviest weight and doing that. When I tell people that, you know, when I'm training folks, I've heard a lot from people over the time. It's like, you know, say we're going to be doing four sets of deadlifts uh, just to pick a, a scenario. And I say, all right, well, you know, let's get a good kind of handful of warm-up sets done. And, you know, let's make those warm-up sets sort of ramp us up towards the first working set. Progress the weight. And, and sometimes you'll get people that be like, yeah, but isn't this going to make me tired? And I want to do four <laughs> sets. And you're like, no, man. Well, one, if that is going to make you tired, right. then you probably shouldn't have come to train today. You should just be asleep. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but no, that's actually going to help to prepare your nervous system better so that you will be able to perform better right now. Yes, indeed. Um, so that ramping up, that gradual thing is really important. And look, the, the simple rule that I use is the stronger you are and the more you're lifting, the more of that you have to do. Yeah. Like as an example, if you're going to go deadlift, whatever, if your working sets are at like 150 kilos. Sure. Well, your first warm up is going to be with the empty bar. Yeah. Then maybe you're going to do, you know, I don't know, 50 kilos and 70 and nine. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. you got to take that time, right? Because things are getting more intense. It's getting more serious. Mm. Whereas when you're a bit fresher to it, if your working sets are only going to be 60 kilos, yeah. And maybe it is just three warm-up sets. Sure. But the ramp-up idea is still there. Yeah, definitely. And the more advanced you get, you do need a little bit more prep. And it's also skill practice. And I think this is something that we can't forget, guys. And this is something that we have incorporated into our programming, whether it's the current program for kettlebells or our home gym or anything. We're hitting you with some, some movements that aren't in normal training. 
it does require more skill. So even when you do it with not much load, you're practicing the skill. Therefore, you are getting better skill mastery. And that is an inbuilt part of the way we program for Bulletproof for BJJ. Accuse me for being a cliche trainer, but when my client goes, uh, how, many, how many reps? I'm probably not counting. I'm just looking at their form like, okay, that was okay. No, that's a terrible rep. Uh, that's okay. So in my head, I'm like, man, they've only hit five good reps out of <laughs> 10. Look, I've done 17. Yeah, and I'm like, do two more. <laughs> it's always two more because, okay, whatever your goal, you want to get stronger, you want to lose weight or whatever you're doing, will two more reps be a problem? You're here to do the work. So in the name of improving, and I'm not talking about doing endless reps, it is worthwhile doing some lighter reps just to groove those movements. Yeah. Now I got a point on this subject I generally would like to see people train slower rather than faster. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, anyone out there listening who has any kind of understanding of athletics or strength and conditioning will be thinking, yeah, but don't I become more powerful when I train faster? And yes, that is true. If you want to be fast and powerful, you need to train fast, right? However, for the majority of people listening, for the majority of people we coach, for the majority of jiu-jitsu players, it is not power that they lack. Yeah. It is strength and coordination and mobility. Agreed. And these things form the base of the pyramid to which power is then layered on top of. Agreed. So if you don't have good quality strength, coordination and mobility, you're never going to be powerful anyway, right? No. You're just going to be moving with bad technique and probably going to hurt yourself. Yeah. So look, this is me as well. Like, I, you know, in my training, I still train very slow. A lot of the time I might do a, a couple of faster exercises, maybe in the warm up, or maybe at the end. But in essence, when I'm doing my strength training, I'm moving slow because I want tension the whole way. Yep. I want to load the body. I want tension as I go into the movement and then as I pull out. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to work with that tension. That tension is what allows my connective tissue to become stronger. It's what helps your muscles become bigger and become stronger. And it's also what gives your brain a chance to process what's going on. Proprioceptive feel. Right Understanding on. of the movement. Yeah. Exactly. So if it's a choice, go slower. You will get more from it. And then obviously for the more advanced lifters out there yeah sure add some power stuff add some speed stuff but you've done the work to be allowed to do that definitely and i would actually go further to say that only really those who are truly strong do slow eccentrics and do paused repetitions and stuff like this why it's so hard (laughs) like guys you know if you've never done it i'll just put it out to you right now let's say you can do five pull-ups five chin-ups whatever it might be all right Let's do a five-second eccentric. So what that means, guys, is you do your pull-up or your chin-up, you hold it at the top, and you take five seconds to come down to a point of full extension. How many of those can you get? Because you've just, your time under tension, which is like what Joe's talking about, has dramatically increased. You actually don't need to do as many reps, and it is significantly harder. So developing that control is actually a really good safeguard to stop you from kind of progressing too soon like people love plyometrics because oh they look sick and i'm doing a box jump and you got look, the guys on instagram oh. doing the plyometric thing and then the guy punches them in the abs <laughs> and then the thing and then abs and then the backflip and yeah, then but, the punching but mars vidal does flying knees bro <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah sure i mean that's that's all good but i totally agree with joe that what you guys should know is there is a hierarchy of movements and strength is a skill and, and a coordination if you can't do it slow you do not have permission to now go do it fast. That's what I would say. Spot on. 
And here's the other thing I would say, we had a question about this relevant to intensity before. I mean, everybody's different. I'm a bit more on the side of ultimate warrior. I'm <laughs> intensity is my passion. Passion is my passion. I like to get G'd up. I consume lots of caffeine and maybe it's because I have a fairly boring lifestyle, but I get excited when I <laughs> could potentially break my back lifting a weight. Obviously, I, ne- I never really lift anything I can't pick up. You know, I don't, I don't put weight on me that I know that I can't tolerate, but it's the mental thing about getting really kind of psyched to a point of like, this is it, let's go. I can't do jiu-jitsu right now. So, but I'm talking about relevant to you guys getting stronger or the effort you're putting in, really getting yourself mentally prepared to put in your best effort, whether that is doing the reps slower with greater control and greater focus or lifting harder or moving faster, whatever the requirement of the exercise is to do it with the best quality. Because like I was saying before, sometimes I watch my clients, I'm giving feedback going, nope, nope, like no rep, no rep. Just do five good ones. Don't give me 10 crappy ones. Yeah. Just, just do five good ones, breathe, focus and make it count. This makes a huge difference to the effectiveness of the workout. Yeah, I think that's often the mindset between I'm trying to just get through this, I'm just bashing out these reps so I can get it done and call it a day versus I'm going to do my best at this right now. And I think it's really important. It's the same as how you drill in jiu-jitsu, like bring awareness to it, bring some intention and like I'm going to try my – when you bring that awareness and that intention to your training, you get more from it. And you are that person that is constantly getting results and making gains. And that is, you know, really fucking satisfying. And that's why we're all here. Whereas when you're the person that's just trying to get it done so you can tick the box and go, yeah, I exercise today. You're the person that's at the gym year after year and nothing changes. That's right. And it's a degree of self-awareness and honesty. Like if I don't hit a rep, I will write, I missed it. You know, even if in a red texter, <laughs> bad, wrong. No, it's, it's one of those, cause I don't really work out with people. Like I usually work out by myself anyway, and that's fine. I, I have myself for accountability, but if I don't make a rep, I write that because the next time when I come back, if I get it, then it, that shows improvement. And it's, it's that level of honesty to know if you are actually getting better guys. And if you're not really keeping yourself to account, it is worthwhile getting a coach or getting somebody who can help you with that if you struggle with that. Yeah. One of the big things where I see people fall off and lose effectiveness in their training is not tracking their workouts. So you've done all the things, you've got the program, you're following a good thing, timing your rest periods, doing all that, but you come in and it's like, oh, yep, today I'm doing my four sets of Turkish get-ups, and you ask yourself or your trainer, oh, what did I lift last week? And it's like, man, if you, who fucking remembers that shit, right? You're doing a lot of exercise. As a trainer, I don't remember what you lifted last week. The chances then of you progressing, because there is this basic concept in strength training, progressive overload. Yes, sir. Which requires that you progressively overload the body by doing progressively more. And that could be in weight or in volume or in total work. Yeah, like Uh, more more reps of the same thing. Right, or a heavier kettlebell or a heavier barbell. But the important thing is is that it's there. And if you're not doing that, then you're really just in a maintenance sort of uh, phase. So simply writing this shit down, having a diary, having a piece of paper, you can even put it in your phone. I'm not a huge fan of it, but you can can totally put it in your phone. Just tracking it. So so you get to your workout and you're like, 
Oh, well, last week I did um, 14 kilos for the first three sets and then I did 16 for the last two. Oh, I'm going to try and do 16 for all my sets today. Yeah. You know, and it's just these small incremental gains that uh, cumulatively equal much progress in the gym. That's right. And even though you might go, oh, that's not me. I don't do that. Well, I'm going to say that you are then Fuck not- you, do that. Yeah, that's not a successful- You're not a successful person. It's actually <laughs> it's funny. Well, we only hang out with successful people. Well, <laughs> I think it's one of those things. No, we, we, we are hanging out with you right now and you <laughs> might not be very successful, but by hanging out with us, you will get more successful. No, I think it's- I, It was funny. So my partner was- uh, She's studying right now and they had a Zoom chat. I've worked with my, she's my fiance. I should say fiance. We have worked on her diary keeping and journaling, but she doesn't keep it every day. But she does write stuff down every day. You know, she has her own process. She writes her workouts down. It's really good. I'm proud of how she's cultivated that. They're talking in this group chat and there's one guy on there. They're all studying marketing and he has come from a trade background. I don't know what he does, whatever. He's not an old guy. He's like in his twenties. And they are like, he always forgets something and sometimes I overhear what they're saying and he's like, no, I don't write stuff down. Nah. <laughs> and like, it's a it's majority group of women. It's like a, probably a class of 30 women and maybe two guys. It's like, nah, it's just not, it's not what I do. Like, <laughs> write stuff down. And I just, I just looked at her and she looked at me and we were both like, oh, this is someone who's going to really struggle because if we look at anyone However you do it, guys, your ability to reflect on your activities is what helps you learn. If you can't reflect or if you have no point of reference, you cannot improve. If you just leave it to emotion and memory, it's, it's so easy to just lose it because there's so many other things at the top of your mind. So when it comes to these workouts, I'm totally in agreement with you, Joe. If you guys want to be more effective and more successful, you must write it down. On that, we got a video on our YouTube channel, which is Journaling for Success, where I believe, JT, you detail how somebody can just write down on what their workout is and track it yep. in their diary, right? Yeah, definitely. I actually just go through, when I'm doing bulletproof workouts, exactly how I write it down. It's very simple. You can choose to do it that way. You don't have to, but it is a very easy a model to copy. Now, are we at question time yet? Mate, we have questions. Yes, we've had a few come in this week. We've got two questions from the people. Mr. Greg Brown. Gregory Brown. Hey, JT. Hey, Joey. My question for you guys is just concerning around how to use the Bulletproof for BJJ workouts in conjunction with adding rehab exercises to them. I've been dealing with shoulder issues for quite some time and I feel I can't really do much in terms of getting a proper workout in because I'm stuck doing banded rehab exercises to improve my shoulder stability and just yeah, wanting to know what would be the best way to use the bulletproof workouts and in conjunction with the rehab whether i need to try and meld the two and what would be the best way uh, to do that to make it feel like i'm getting the benefits of rehabilitating and getting stronger there to progress to the harder exercises such as a shoulder press without worrying of issues of hurting my shoulder again and make it still feel like i'm actually doing some work and getting a workout in to get stronger in other areas Thanks for everything you guys do. Greg Brown, thank you, my man. My guy, I think this is, I think this is uh, a good friend of mine, Gregory Brown, who I know. I, if, if it's not, uh, I don't want to overassume. Uh, Greg Brown, who's a good friend of mine, had shoulder issues. And we've had a few questions around this before, haven't we? Yeah, we've spoken about it a bit. And again, we have a video exactly on how to do this on our YouTube channel. But essentially what you want to do in this situation is you want to take 
any of the offending movement, movement patterns and you want to take them out of your training, uh, out of the program, and you want to put your rehab work in its place. Yes, yeah, swap so, it out. So generally speaking, and Greg alluded to this, pressing is tricky for him. Yep. Majority of the time, or oftentimes, when people have a shoulder issue, pressing or pushing in any pattern does become challenging. But pulling is often okay. Yes. And it might not be like vertical pulling, like chin-ups and pull-ups, but perhaps like bent over rows Horizontal or pulling, ring rows, ring that rows. kind of thing, right? Like they, they feel fine. So what the session would look like then, if you look at the bulletproof program, you'll see that workout one and workout two are split between a squat and a pull and then a push and a hinge. Yep. So what that means is that the squat and pull are most likely going to be fine for Greg, nothing to change there. Yep. I would definitely add in some rehab work in the warm-up and perhaps in the rest periods. Yes. And then for the uh, press and hinge day, that is where the rehab work is going to take more of a bigger position. He's going to take the pressing work out of the program completely. So he's left with his hinge work, which is the deadlifting and the jumping varieties and that kind of thing. And he's going to put a shitload of rehab in there. Yep. And he's going to run with that until he's out of pain. And then when, once his physio says, hey, you're good to go back to whatever, then he can start to revisit some of the pressing stuff and, and get back into it at full intensity. Yes, indeed. And I, I believe that we did have this question relevant to legs the other day. Someone saying they had a knee injury, but their upper body was fine. Exactly the same deal, guys. Whichever it is that you cannot do, substitute the uh, rehab work in, but do your best to be able to complete the rest of the program in the way it is laid out. And sure enough, once you've overcome that initial period of struggle, you will be able to start to get back to full workouts. Love it. Uh, next question comes from White Belt for Life. Hi, guys. Just wanted to say I really love the content. My question for you is the way that one should train in terms of intensity. So one being slack and five being high powered. What sort of intensity should one train whilst doing your program? Thank you. White Belt for Life, thank you for your question. First came off the rank, that background tunes, man. I didn't know, he lives with Alicia Keys. <laughs> Dad, I'm just jamming out while you talk to your jiu-jitsu friends. That was so good. I was, I was just, I was head nodding to those tunes. White Belt for Life, thank you, great question. We actually kind of touched on this in the episode, didn't we? We did, and, and I, I would go so far as to go, the, the idea of the warm-up and the ramp-up, bringing your best intensity and quality for when you go to work. Yeah, I agree. Here's the one thing we've got to understand is that there is, for most people, a relationship between intensity and technical execution. So as your intensity goes up, your technique goes down. And I say that for most people, because most people aren't advanced when it comes to strength training. So for a lot of people, and you can, you can see this at any CrossFit gym, right? <laughs> as soon as the intensity goes up and people start chasing the hardest possible effort, <laughs> they're murdering the their form looks like shit. Yeah. So uh, for the majority of people listening to this and White Belt for Life, for you at the early stages of this thing, you want to keep the intensity towards the lower side. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be ramping it up. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be getting after it when you're feeling it's the right thing. But your main priority should be doing the movements correctly. Yeah. And, and often that's harder. Often when you say to someone, no, 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 tuck your hips, bring your rib towards your hip, keep your midline tight. Yeah. Oh, but that's harder. Yes. You're fucking thinking now. Yeah, because you, you, that is the work. Same thing like when we do our, our push-up, like a protracted push-up, really stretching those shoulders at the top and staying tight as you come on the way down. Keeping the, like all these things. Actually, if you want to make the workout more intense, do the technique well. 
It may not be as satisfying as just going absolutely ballistic, but that is where you need to bring your energy and your focus in terms of intensity. Yeah, and actually a really interesting thing that makes me think of, when you focus on doing the movement really well, the movement becomes really intense. Oh yeah. Right, like you're like, fuck, that push-up was so hard because I was like really trying my hardest to do all the things that you guys are telling me to do. It's like, all right, well now we're ticking all the boxes. Yeah. Whereas when you're like, I'm gonna fucking kill these push-ups, <laughs> then you tend to go too fast, you yeah. tend to break form. Exactly. A whole, there's a whole cascade of things that go wrong. Guys, um, if you have questions, send them to us. You can record a voicemail for us. We'll feature it on the show. Go to the website, bulletproofforbjj.com and then click podcast and you'll see a little box down the bottom of the page there. Perfect. Is that us? That is us. Guys, thank you for listening. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Peace.